1: How many of us know that today is Palm Sunday? Did you come with your (laughs) palm? Hallelujah. You see, our children will be missing out on a lot of memories. You know, these are memories we had growing up. This particular Sunday was the Sunday that you went, you know, with some leaf to church. Okay? Praise God. And you know, the memory was there. The only problem is that it meant nothing. It was just a memory. You know, we just said it was Palm Sunday, and we knew that after Palm Sunday is Easter Sunday. Praise the Lord. And we're going to eat rice, and we're going to, you know, have some, you know, festive activities. Okay? But um, as time goes on, we want to find out why things were done, how it was done, and look into the Word and see what the Lord is saying to us. Praise the Lord. So this morning, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we want to look at, They are counting Matthew 21. We'll read, you know, verse 1 to 17. We'll see what happened at that particular time that we celebrate and we mark on this day. And if you have your Bibles open, I'd like you to read with me. Praise the Lord. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bedford at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them Go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her Loose them and bring them to me And if anyone says to you you shall say The Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them All this was done That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a cord, the fall of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the cord and laid their clothes on them and set him on them and A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this?" So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God, and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them but when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying hosanna to the son of david they were indignant And said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Father, we thank you for your word. This morning, we are privileged to gather as your children to look into your word. You have drawn us by your spirit. We ask that you teach us by your spirit. Open our understanding. Speak to each and every one of us in our own language. Let us know and hear what your spirit is saying to your church today. Lord, we have come from diverse situations and from different circumstances. But we know that your word discerns all. Let everyone, O Lord Father, hear. Let everyone receive. Let everyone be blessed. Even as we continue to the partaking of the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, let us be full beneficiaries Of all that our Father has gifted us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our God. For in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so it's a bit, you know, um, interesting and long, but we're going to take it one after the other. Now, the first thing we want to see from here is this. We call it a miracle. We call it an instance, but it's a lesson for every one of us. The Bible said Jesus called two of his disciples and sent them into the village opposite. And said, when you get into that village, you're going to find a donkey tied and a colt with her. And he said, when you do that, lose them and bring them to me. Praise the Lord. Now, when we read the Bible, we have to, you know, readjust to our times, okay? And what it is now is that Jesus says to you, go to central area you're going to see a car shop on your right when you enter that car shop start the Range Rover that has never tear rubber and the uh, junior range was sports range he said drive it down here i want to go on a ride how many of us will go none of us right praise the lord you know We are believers. But you can see that we really don't believe. We are the level of understanders or agreeers. Do you understand? If you understand it, you do. If you agree, you do. But believers don't have to understand. All believers need is, has he said it? Did he say it? Picture it. He didn't even tell them the name He just said get into the village You're going to see a donkey tied And they called with that. He said lose it and bring In one of their accounts he said If they ask you Tell them the master has need of them So master who is this person we're going to see You don't know Praise the Lord But we find that these two disciples went Why did they go? Over time They had been with Jesus And they had come to realize that this man that they are following does not speak empty words. Praise the Lord. He does not what? Speak empty words. And for you and I, we can't be freed from that responsibility of believing him. One of the things we have learned here is that the Bible says in the beginning, God, our God, my God, your God, what did he do? He created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe that? Praise the Lord. If he created the heavens and the earth, has he retired? Has he resigned? Has he ceased to be God? Has he been overthrown? He hasn't. So he abides as God. He remains. He says, I'm the Lord, I do not change. So, if that God is my God, and I believe him, on Wednesday, we're looking at Hebrews eleven six. We said, he that comes to God, first of all, he says, without faith, it is impossible, what, to please God. And this is what we are talking about faith. Go into the village. Okay, your bro, you say, okay, go to that organization, tell them you need a job, and that you need it immediately. And you say, uh, uh, Pastor, who should I ask Who should I request to see? He said, just tell them. And he said, but I need a name. He said, just go and tell them. Praise the Lord. What happens is this, because the Bible says, as high as the heavens are above there, so are his ways, higher than our ways, and his thoughts, higher than our thoughts. We cannot never fully comprehend how much God knows. And because of that, We want to download what he knows into what we know. Praise the Lord. Now, interestingly, you might think that such an errand is, you know, an empty errand. But we can see in this story that verse 6 says, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And what was the result? Verse 7 says what? They brought the donkey and the colt, just as he commanded Now, the possibility of this, if we start to analyze it from today to tomorrow to yesterday, without obeying, we would never find this conclusion. And that's the first lesson for us here. Praise the Lord. That we receive the grace to obey. You know, the, the, the old school people gave us a song which has never become old school. And what does that song say? Trust and what? Obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Christ Jesus. But to what? Trust and obey. That trusting and obeying, sometimes you hear it and it looks like trust and obey so I can make God happy. Beautiful. But most importantly, trust and obey so that you can be blessed. Praise the Lord. Trust and obey so that the things that he said concerning you will come to be. You know, we read the Bible, we read the Bible, read the Bible. But we have to imagine as we read. Jesus is a man that has laid down for 38 years and didn't carry him up. Praise the Lord. He didn't carry him up. What did he say to him? He said to the man, get up, carry your bed and walk. I haven't walked. Is someone hearing what the Spirit is saying? You and I must step up our believing. Are you with me? We must challenge ourselves. Do I believe God? He comes to a blind man and he says to the blind man, what do you want me to do? The man says, I want, you know, to receive my sight. He mixes, you know, clay, spits, mixes clay, puts on the man's eyes and sends him on an errand. The blind man doesn't know his way. He needs sight to know his way. Jesus encounters him and further, you know, compounds his blindness. With clay, and then says, Go find the pool of Siloam. When you find the pool, wash in it, you'll see. What should be the reasonable response? Oga, if you want to give me sight, give me sight. If you want to embarrass me, you know, just decide that's what you want to do. My problem is sight. You don't send someone who doesn't have sight on an errand. But the Bible says the man went and washed and what? Came back sick. Somebody say I receive grace In the name of Jesus Christ Praise the Lord So he went or rather the two went And they saw and they provided Now the Bible gave us something there Verse 4 4 says all this was done That it might be fulfilled Very important thing to note there You see in my sh- short study And the little time I've spent Studying the word because We're just beginning praise the Lord I've realized that there are some things that are there that are coded, but yet profound and yet unnegotiable. Whenever the Bible tells you what was spoken or what was written, praise the Lord, you can know that it must what? Come to pass. Praise the Lord. It says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. You see, Every word that has gone forth, remember the heavens and the earth were created by the word. Isn't it? So the building, the skies, everything that we see came forth from the word. Now, if there is anything that is written that I have not seen, the only issue is that I haven't seen it, but it will be. In fact, when you look at Hebrews 11 verse 1, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things what? Hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, read that out to yourself for me. Now, faith is what? Of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, from that passage alone, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see that faith comes before seeing. Faith is the evidence of what you have not what? Seen. Faith then is the evidence of what I want to see. So if I want to see it, I must produce faith now. Is someone with me this morning? Faith is the evidence of what I want to see. Now, the first part, interesting one. uh, Our sister was sharing a dignity, Vicky, and it just jumped to me. The first part said, faith is the substance of things what? Hopeful. Now, so I hope for it. I can hope for it. The natural man, the man who does not have the spirit of faith, does not have the spirit of God, has hopes. I mean, just like concerning our country now, where we are now. You know, before the election, a lot of people had hopes for this is the way it's going to happen. Now, if you had only hope, now you would be hopeless because it didn't go as you hoped. Is someone with me? But if what you had was faith, hope... Is what you hope for, but faith is what you bring. Sorry. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. I said, everyone has hope, right? But not everyone has faith. Why? Because faith comes by what? The word of God. Okay? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And we've established that for you to have faith, you must believe that God speaks and it comes to what? Pass. So all of us have hope. But when we all have hope and the things don't come out the way we hope for, we become disappointed. We become disoriented. We become, you know, depressed and all of that. So that's why you see in Nigeria, a lot of people are downcast. A lot of people are depressed. A lot of people are disappointed. Why? Because what they hoped for did not what happen. But when you have faith, you now understand that faith is now the holding power of what you hope for so what i hope for is not going to come to pass just because i hope for it it's going to come to pass why because i have confidence that the god who speaks and brings it to pass will do what will bring it let me prove it to you the bible says abraham contrary to hope in hope what did he do believed because a time comes when hope cannot hold again The only thing that holds what is faith. Because Abraham, when the promise was made to him that he was going to be a father of many, he looked at Sarah and he saw that Sarah still had some life in her. And he had some life. But as time went on, hope left. So he had to take hope and keep it aside and hold only to faith. Somebody this morning, there are things God has spoken to you and hope has finished. But faith never finishes. Praise the Lord, somebody. Why? Because faith is founded on the word of God. And the Bible says, by faith, we understand that the worlds we are what? Created by the word. The words which we see, we are spoken by the word. So that the things which are seen did not come from what? Things which are visible. So by faith, you know that what you had hoped for, even though hope has crashed, faith will bring it to pass. Somebody say, amen. That's what it is. So once you see it is written in the Bible, you can go to sleep. Are you with me? It says, For thus that it might be fulfilled, which said, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. This word was spoken, there must be fulfillment. Now, in the process of that fulfillment, there, a lot of people were engaged. Two disciples were engaged. The owners of this donkey The owners of this code, they were involved. Now, these people, interesting also, these people would also have had an opportunity to say no. Praise the Lord. When the word came to them, what I did, what I did, what I did, taking my Range Rover, what I did, taking my Mercedes. They said the master has to know. They could have said, get out from here. Who are you? Criminal. And drive them away. When they do that, what would have happened? Can they abort the word of God? when they do that, what happens is they miss the opportunity of being partners in God in that season. Is somebody getting me? So every point in time, when you read the Bible also, something important to find out is that God has multi options. And when you are called upon, when you're beckoned to be part of what God is doing, it's an opportunity don't let it pass you by praise the lord because you see god can use anybody as we're going to find out in that story more maybe i can jump to that a point came where we read where the bible says the scribes and the pharisees they were indignant they said to jesus can't you quieten this people look at all the noise they're making they're shouting too much jesus said to them if these were to keep silent what is going to happen he said that stones are going to cry out in their place. God has options up to stones. That's why right. nobody, nobody can do Shakara for God. For nothing. Whether it's in gifting, is in serving, or whatever area. You can He has multi-options. So anytime he calls on you, it's a privilege. Because what he does is this. He has determined what he will do. We've learned here that God is Alpha, his word, Omega. For whatever it is, he has finished already. Or he's looking for his word. Who is going to bring on board? Look at the case of David and Goliath. God has slain Goliath already. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to what? Defy the armies of the living God. Goliath was done. You can defy the armies of the living God and stand. So he had fallen. Now, God had an army of Israelites strong men, heavy men, trained in warfare. And every day for 40 days, opportunity was given to one of them to come and be the vessel that God will use to bring down Goliath. But none of them offered. So the father of David sent him to take cheese and bread to the brothers. When he took cheese and bread there and he saw what was happening, he offered himself. And for God to show us that that victory had already been won, When the battle started, how did he bring him down? I bet you, take a stone. One stone will not kill not even a dog. Are you with me? One stone will not kill a goat. Not to talk of a man in full armor. What happened there was, God had already brought Kolea down. What he was looking for, who will I partner with? If he falls without something happening, nobody will understand. So, God needed somebody that will enlist and say, let me be part of what you're doing. And that is wisdom for you and I. In every situation, be sensitive to what God is doing so that you can enlist. When you enlist, it's no longer... The Bible says, it's not by power, not by might, but by what? My spirit. Why is it not by might, but by my? Because it's the spirit that has done it. The spirit is looking for who will I partner in. Praise the Lord, somebody. Very important lesson we're learning here. Amen? So you see yourself you know you're gifted in this area you're gifted in that area you have capabilities in this area you have privileges in this area and you're hearing God announcing I need this just like I said we need men in the choir if you're a man here yeah, you can sing and you're not in the choir I don't know what you're doing if they would take me I would have joined because I always feel bad when they're doing a special number and they're you know 15 women and 3 men as if there are no men here anymore anyway whatever it is you can do And God has a need for it. You have money, God has a need for money. You're withholding the money. You're not smart. Because you see, God's enlistment is for your blessing. He has no need. Are you with me? God suffers no lack. There is no point that God's work has ever stopped. He has finished it already. He's just rolling it out. Praise the Lord somebody. I don't know. There's an account that I want to show you in the Bible concerning it It is written. Mark 14, please. Very important. Simple but important. Mark 14, 27. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, before this time, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. You know, the disciples were faithful. They were doing their best. They didn't want to. But Jesus said to them, you will stumble. You know why they had to stumble? He said, because it is written. Do you understand? You will stumble. Why? He said, because it is what? Written. It's not a question. Peter said, I cannot, I will not. Ah, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you have even compounded the matter. You now, before the call crow, sorry, you deny me three. When you fight what is written, you make it worse. The only response to what is written is surrender and repentance. You see, God cannot want to fight man. God loves you. God loves me. That's why every time you hear the word of God, genuine word of God, the call for repentance must always come. But the men always respond? They don't always respond. He said, come, let us reason together. God is like, you know, that big brother. How many of us had big brothers growing up? Okay. That big brother that you're looking for is trouble. And he can beat you into, you know, envelope. Beat you flat until you become enveloped. And then he's saying, bro, calm down. Because... If he gets angry, every time God deals with man, he's trying to tell us, repent. You can't resist me. You can't stand in my way. Is somebody getting... So when Peter said, I will not whatever is written, even if all this, deny you. Amy, hey, Peter, I will not. Ah, Jesus looked at him and said, because of this thing you said, three times, you alone, three times. And did it happen? And where did Peter deny Jesus? Not before mighty men. Before house girls. servant girl. Ah, Peter, I saw you, you walked in a mirror. He said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He denied what? He tried to stand against what was written. And nobody has ever succeeded. What you do is you submit to what is what? Written. And when you submit, the mercy of God, He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What is he going to do? You know, God is amazing. You read the Bible. There are this I think it was um, it's King Ahab. Very wicked king. We know Ahab, the husband of Jezebel. Very wicked king. Ahab was terrible in the eyes of God. And then God sent judgment to Ahab. This and this is going to happen. And the Bible says Ahab fell down and asked the Lord, Lord, have mercy. God sent the prophet. I'm sure that prophet would have been wondering, God, what are you doing? He said, Can you see how Ahab has repented before me? He said, Go and tell him I won't do it again. It's things like that that made Jonah refuse to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, This God, I'm not going on that. These people are Ninevites are wicked. Just kill them. Don't tell me to go and preach because if I preach, they will repent and you'll forgive them. Was he right? He was right. So Jonah knew that the only way Nineveh would get their just judgment was not to hear the word of God. So he refused. He ran away. Finally, he went and preached. What happened? Nineveh repented. What did God do? God forgave them. So Jonah said, God, I'm not happy with you. This is what I told you before I went. That you're a merciful God. If they just call on you, you forgive. Now, that is the kind of God that has provided this relationship that we're in. Why would somebody not take him seriously? Why would someone not serve him? Why would someone not push him? You know, you see some, some of us that are trying as best as we can to just be fanatics with this God. If you taste, you will see that the Lord is what? Good. The problem is that many don't know him. Why would you not devote your life to a God like this? He hears, he anticipates, he says, even before you call, what do I do? I answer. He does not say, bring your strength. He says, even in your weaknesses, what is, happens? He says, his strength is made perfect. You have relationships, you have friends. Some of us have friends that when you're broke, they don't answer your call. But we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have a friend that is when we are weakest that he loves us most. Why won't you serve him? You walk in an office, be sick today. God forbid, be sick tomorrow. There's a way you'll be sick. They'll write you a letter and sack you. But you serve God. He says, I will never leave you, nor what? Nor forsake you. That is the God we serve. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So he's that dependable. Once it's written, you see anything written. And you know, it's important we're looking at this because... I don't know, recently the Lord was saying to me, you know, I've had the you know, responsibility of speaking at a few funerals. And God was saying to me, why is it that you preach particular things at funerals and service of songs, and you don't preach that always in church? Don't you believe me? It's only when people die that we wake up and say, ah, people can actually die. People die. Praise the Lord. And everybody must be prepared. That's the simple truth. There's a heaven. In as much as we want to do all the things we are planning, you know, great grandchildren, we are planning, you know, all of this, uh, Russia, uh, this one, Trump, all of that, you know, Buhari, all of that, uh, all all those plans we are making, they are there. But what is assured us is that it is appointed unto man what? wants to die, and thereafter what? Do you believe that? A lot of us don't believe it. But what I realized that has happened to me now, I don't get shocked when people die. I think God has prepared me to that point. The only thing I ask is, did the responsibility, like when my mom passed on, what broke my heart was that at that time we were to travel. She passed on in March and we were to travel for Christmas. She had been calling, come and see me, but we didn't have money. So we couldn't travel. And you know how it is with sons and mothers. You never call, she's the one who calls. You know, she's always the one that will call her and say, how are you? And all of that. How are you? So when she passed, she was sick in the morning. By evening, she had died. I mean, I felt so bad because I wished I had gone to see her. I wish, you know, we had spent time with her and all of that. That's the only thing. But where she is, it's settled. She was born again. You understand? So it's the same thing that happens when people have something. The last conversation I had with this person, am I owing the pain? You know the Bible says, oh no man, nothing but love. Did I tell this person the truth? Did I in any way behave in a, such a manner that this person would think that there is no God? I, I immediately judge my relationship with the person. That's what it's about. Whether people live or die, you can't stop that. Anybody who is living is on an application to die. Praise the Lord. It is written. Isn't that what it says? It says that he shall come like a thief in the night. Rapture is not the thief in the night. Oh. Rapture is going to come with an alarm. There's going to be an alarm. The thief in the night is that I, I spoke to her. Then you can't speak to her again. I saw him, oh, but you can't see him again. That's the shock. When rapture happens, everybody will know. It is written. So, what is your responsibility? These are the things that guide us. These are the things that constrain us. You can't behave anyhow. You can't talk anyhow. You can't live anyhow. You can't shout anyhow. You can't get angry anyhow. We learned controlling our tempers on the school today. Imagine if you lose your temper with somebody and call him all kinds of names. Stupid, I don't want to ever see you again. And it actually happens that you don't see the person again. The person dies. You know how terrible you feel? These are things that are written, that are right there before us. You say, forgive somebody. You say, I can never forgive the person over your dead body. And then some dead body occurs, and then you're wishing you actually forgive the person. You don't need all that. The word is there for us to guide us. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, let's move on. You know? So the Bible says, just in passing, Psalm twelve six. it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver, tested, tried in the furnace, purified seven times. Maturity for the Christian is taking the word of God seriously. Praise the Lord. There's a translation there, uh, uh, Psalm 12, 6. Can you give us the living Bible? It says God doesn't speak careless words. Read it for me. It says the Lord's promise is what? He speaks what? No careless word. God has no careless word. If he promises, his promise will come to fulfillment. If he also wants that warning, oh yes, take it seriously. He said to David, There will not fail to sit a man from you on the throne forever. And he's fulfilling that. But he also warned David that the day your sons, your descendants, if they sin against him, he says, I will discipline them. You saw what happened? The moment Solomon began to do what he was doing, nations arose from all around and began to attack him. Solomon, throughout his normal reign, fought no war. Because the victories that David had won provided security, prosperity, economic and otherwise, for the nation. But the moment he started, you know, getting into idolatry and all of that, enemies began to arise. But they didn't set him fully until his son took over. When Rohoban took over, immediately ten tribes were taken away. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises. He's also faithful to his warning. But somebody will be here and and say, Pastor, I'm getting away with it. No, you can't get away from what is written. What is happening is that God, who has told us to be long-suffering, is also longer in suffering. Did you hear me? God says we should be patient, you know, with one another. God says we should have long-suffering. God is longer in suffering. So people say, "Eh, but uh, I'm I'm doing the, you're not even, you say people. You look at our world. You look at how people are getting away with wickedness and iniquity. They're not getting away. God is giving long time. Because when you see the wrath of God, even against the enemy, you become an intercessor. You ask God to stop. God is terrible in his judgments. But God is marvelous. Marvelous and marvelous to power infinity in his goodness. That's why he said to, the, to Moses, Say to them, I said before you, life. And he said, choose life. Praise the Lord somebody. Okay. So he goes on, and um, verse 6 says, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the court, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. It says, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. This is what, you know, the traditional churches do. On this particular Sunday, which is good, is pictoria and it lasts in the memory of the child. And then he says, Then the multitudes who went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Then he says, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitudes, note he kept telling us the multitudes, they were all speaking with one voice. He said, This is Jesus. The prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, the thing about this particular line we've read now, from 8 to 11, is this. Inasmuch as being human beings, we are comfortable in the multitude. Praise the Lord. You see, that's why we follow fashion, okay? Um, I remember some time ago, not far, not too long ago, in this Abuja, when I go to buy suits that I wear. If I wear the suit, there's a test I do. I will raise my hands, and if the suit goes up, I'll say it's too small for me. Are you getting me now? Because then fitted was not in vogue. Now when I wear shoes that I can't raise hand. That's if I want to, if they say hallelujah, this is where the thing will stop, because the thing don't. Are you know, getting me? Those days, I just, I say, okay, let me, if I raise my hand and any part moves, I say, no, it's too tight. So I get the one that is big enough so I can, you know. Do all kinds of things inside and the suit will be standing. What has happened is that over time, more of the people I see are wearing the tapas. Defeated. Are you with me? As human beings, we like to do what everybody is doing. It's a comfortable place to be. So when the multitude started doing what they were doing, it was a pleasurable journey. They were all singing. They were all shouting. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But the danger with what the multitude is doing or what the multitudes are doing is that many in the multitude don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Many don't know what is at the back of what you're doing. My wife is an etiquette consultant. She'll tell me some things. And then I say, why? They say, because King John, when he wore his suit, the second button taught, you know men now, let me teach you this one, free of charge. When you wear two button suits, you don't button the second one. You only button it. Do you know why? They say King John was obese. So when he wore his suit, the second button won't close. So he'll manage to close. You see some people that when they close the first button, this one is hanging like this. That's how it used to be For So because of that, it became a standard. So (laughs) it became a standard. So if you wear it and button it, they say you're a bushman. The reason you're a bushman is because some obese man could not button his suit. Multitudes do things that they don't know why they do. I someone getting me. That's the danger. You do things you don't know, you're following. He said, just like the riot. You remember the riot when they wanted to stone uh, Saul? And then he said, people just joined and were shouting. They didn't know what, why are you shouting? They said, we are shouting. That's the danger with multitudes. You like crowds. That's also what's happening in our time. So you get to an environment and you say, ah, people go there. Because people go there, you go there. And because you go there, more people will also go there. In fact, I, I, someone told us some time ago in this Abuja, uh, um, Ivy, your friend that opened the southern fry, He said he opened this uh, restaurant, uh, this fast food joint, and he gathered all his friends that had beautiful cars, you know, and packed in front. That's business, you know, Cue for anybody who is a businessman here. And hired his friend's cars that they were not driving. Just come and park your cars in front. And when people are driving past, a new fast food joint, okay? They've never tasted the food, but they see all the cars back there. They say, ah, correct guys, they go here. They all get it. Then as they come in, more people will also walk. That's multitude. It's a food suite. People are going there. Why do you like it? He said, people are going there. And then people will go there because you are going there. That's the way multitudes. But the danger of that is that because Christianity is. No, no church goes to heaven. I hope you know that. No family goes to heaven. No nation, no tribe of people go to heaven. We're redeemed out of tribe and tongue, out of every nation. Amen? I said on Wednesday, and I have to repeat because we have a, a more people here. I said, nobody's going to go to heaven as an Igbo man. No, if you are not redeemed from the Igbo tribe, you can't go to heaven. If you're not redeemed from the Yoruba tribe, you can't go to heaven. If you're not redeemed from the Alsa tribe, you can't go to It's Christians that go to heaven. But when you're redeemed, you have an origin. But that origin is what you were redeemed from. It's not what you cling to. When you cling to something, you have not been redeemed out of it. If it informs your choices and determines your stand, you are yet to be redeemed. Because it will keep you from making heaven. The devil we are fighting is not a small boy. If lawyers today can win major cases, that they should lose, you know, clear and clear on technicalities. The devil understands technicalities. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, Christianity is something that every man... That's why when the gospel was declared, it says, for God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his only begotten son, that whichever people, is that what he said? He said, whosoever. In fact, talking about the end, he said, two shall be lying on the bed and one will be taken, one will be left to show you how private the faith is. Nobody gets into heaven because of his pastor. Nobody gets into heaven because of the church he attends. Nobody gets into heaven because of the association he keeps. No, you don't do that. It's personal. So you realize that this multitude, look at what this multitude did. What they did, some of us can't even do. They said they took their clothes and what? Laid it on the floor for the donkey to ride on. That's how much devotion they expressed towards Jesus. But you know that they same multitude. Before Pilate, the same Jesus, what were they saying? Crucify him. Luke 23. Let's look at it. Luke 23 verse 13. That's why Lord Jesus Christ said he committed himself to no man. Luke 23 13. He says, then Pilate, I want you to see the audience, the people Pilate was discussing with. Then Pilate, when he had what? Called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. Now let's jump to 18 now. Let's see what they said in 18. How many of them cried out? The chief priests, the rulers, and the people. What were they crying out? All of them said what? At once, away with this man and release to us. Read 21. Let's jump to 21. They shouted, saying, crucify him. Crucify him. This was their decision. The same people just five days, four days earlier. We're saying, Hosanna. You see, that is why, brothers and sisters, personal revelation is not negotiable. At a season in your life, it's okay to say, my pastor said. Are you with me? At a season as a child growing, as a young Christian growing in your family, you can say, my mother taught me, my father taught me. But you must get to the point where you say, the word of God says, Until you come to where it is to you what the word of God said and you submit to that word. You're not safe. The place of safety is where you know that this is what the word of God said. And it's not just safety in that direction. It's also safety in knowing who you are in Christ. It's safety in knowing the authority you carry. You see, when the devil comes, the real attacks and temptations of the devil, when they come at you, you may not have the opportunity to ask your neighbor, how are you feeling? Is this thing that is doing me in this leg? Is it you feel it like that? You'll be feeling it alone. It takes your revelation that the Bible says that he will put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you to say, I reject this in the name of Jesus. It takes your understanding to know that with the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. To look at symptoms and you know, whatever it is, or even look at the report from the doctor and say, I believe God. Let me share a testimony. M- many of us now, are our brother, Pastor Akin, who is you know relocated with the family to the US now. Before he relocated, he was diagnosed of cancer. And, you know, he began the process began the process and, you know, was going through some treatments and all of that. But most importantly, he told me, he said, God told him, I've healed you. Praise the Lord. Now, in the time when this whole thing was going, he's been confirmed cancer-free now. Praise the Lord. Let's give God praise for that. Completely cancer-free. Now, before they did the test to ascertain that he was confirmed cancer-free, he went to a church. And when he went to the church... The pastor, the in-law, sorry, told the pastor about him. And they called him for prayer. He said, I don't need to be prayed for. I have been healed. Did somebody hear me? You see, when you know God, people won't be putting saliva. You go from here to here to there to there to there to there. They say, it's this side. You run. They say, now nah, here. They happen. It's lack of knowledge of God. You don't know him. Do you understand? You know his work. So you're trying to see. But when you know him, Abba, he will speak to you. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, In quietness and confidence shall your strength be. In returning and rest shall you be saved. When you know God, there's a strength that establishes from inside. You know what he has said. You know he is your healer. You know he's your provider. You don't need to go for 17 days on the mountain. He's not on the mountain, he's in you. You don't have to follow this man. Follow, the, You know, I feel sad when I see born again Christians. I mean, I'm a man. You come here and you listen to me. Preach. It, wherever you're going, go for the world. Don't go because this man is reigning. Who is here? Who is he to reign? Jesus Christ is the king. What, whose kingdom shall have what, no end. He reigns from eternity to eternity to eternity. Once you begin to follow a man, you have left Christ. You have not heard him. Jesus said, My sheep, they do what? They hear my voice. And what makes people run to those places? There are many. There is one that is raining now that people just go. And when you ask them why they did that, he say, Ah, there are 70,000 joining. You are not 70,000. No matter the thousands that enter, it's only you. Listen to me. How many of us bank with Zenith? W- which one is the richest bank in Nigeria? Is this Zenith? Zenith. You bank with Zenith. Do you know how much money that is in Zenith's account? How much of it do they mistakenly put in your account? Zenith is rich, Zenith is rich, Zenith is rich, Zenith is rich. How much is in your account? That's how it is when, you say, when they ask you where you go, going. You say thousands are going there. Thousands are going there. What is the benefit to you? What do you take with? What do you stand with? What is it that when you lie down on the bed, you know that you know that you know that this is what God speaks concerning you? I didn't actually respond to Pastor Akim, but I said, oh, this is a man of faith. Because a lot of times, you know, pe- people are just looking. Yeah, maybe he said, if the thing has happened here, I don't need to try there, try there, try there, and try there. No, if it has happened inside, it's just a matter of faith and patience, and there will be a manifestation. Praise the Lord, somebody. you know. So God honored him. He said, no, that is not necessary, that God has healed him. Why? Because, you see, you must know him. Multitudes can't do that for you. You see, our church. No, it's not our church. What we gather, what we do corporately, is to encourage ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, to run the race. But the race is personal. There are some things that God has left in the natural life that should teach us all a lesson. That your neighbor, you know, we live in an next state, and sometimes, okay, you, maybe what we are eating is your noble soup. Our neighbor will be cooking this beautiful stew. I like stew. That you haven't entered your house. The aroma of the stew is just entering your nose. Will you eat that stew? <laughs> it's your neighbor's stew. <laughs> the aroma you can benefit from. But you will not eat that stew. I get you what I'm saying. There are things that you must lay hold of. And when you truly lay hold of it, what happens is that whether before Pilate Or before the multitude, you will say, that is my Lord. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, quickly. Now, verse 12 says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves." Okay, what is happening here is interesting. Before now, the Bible says, 10 says, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? When you read that, you know, it's not just saying, who is this? It's saying, who is this? That's, who is this new? This guy is reigning. This guy is trending. This guy is happening. That's what they were saying. Okay? At the height of that popularity. You know, the next act Jesus does. He enters into the temple of God. And the Bible says, he made a whip of God and began to drive people out of the temple. Have you thought about that? Have you given it a thought? Everybody is just clapping, just clapping, just celebrating. And then what he does is the most unpopular. His PR you know, managers will tell him, Jesus, what's wrong with you? This is a time to feed multitudes. This is a time to do some more wonders. The people are excited. And at the height of it, he goes into the temple and begins to do one of them. It was after he did it that they said, I have to kill this man. Why will he do that? Let me tell you why. Jesus said to us, I do nothing of my own. John five nineteen. He says, I do nothing of my own. Whatever I see the Father do, that I do. Is that what he says there? He says, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he sees the Father do, what? He said, that's what he does. Now, at the time the multitudes were hailing Jesus, The Father said this next on the agenda. Now, to be spiritual, praise the Lord. How many of us want to be spiritual here? You cannot combine being spiritual and being light and being popular. You can't combine the two. Because you see, what will make you popular? To be spiritual means to be controlled by the Spirit. That's simply what it means. To be spiritual doesn't mean to behave spooky. It just means that this person is controlled by... The Spirit, okay? So, to be spiritual, you can't be popular at the same time. You see, popularity means you say what people like. You do what people like. You give them what they want. You say, ah, pastor, the, you know that message you preach on, uh, on this thing? People liked it. And then I now do seven series. And we advertise it. Come and see part one to seven. Every Sunday we advertise. Because you got feedback. That people liked it. Or you preach one. And they said people, pastor, that thing you preach, people were really angry. And then God says, preach it again. He said, but God, didn't you hear that people are angry? Do you understand? To be spiritual is to be controlled by the spirit. Are you with me? So Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. So I'm sure, you know, Jesus had his own will. If he had his way, that's not the time to cleanse the, the temple. He could have come back later, you know. But the father said, now, now that everybody's eyes are on you, go and do this thing. And he went into the temple of God and drove people out. And people said, which kind of man be this? Ah, that's what began to talk their head and say, I don't understand though. Why is this spoiling business? But look at what he did in that temple. And you see that having the father's perspective, the first thing he says there is that he went into what? Where, Where did he go into? Thank you, my brother. It's the temple of God. Now, if you want to sell doves, go to the market and sell doves. If you want to do ex- money exchange, you know, go to the bureau of the change and exchange. But the temple of God should not be used for buying and selling. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's what happens, you know, in our time now, and that's why a lot of people insult the church and you know call us all kinds of names. Why? Because we have mixed up the house of God. With, you know, I don't know what name to call it, but I'm going to explain that. We we have mixed up the house of God. Some of us may have seen a video where a politician came into the church and sat at the back. Okay? And he was okay there. And the bishop of the church saw the politician and was begging him. First of all, asked him to come to an honored seat. And the man refused. The bishop knelt down to beg the man. And the man also, knelt down to tell the bishop I won't go. Now, what has happened is this. We have made the church, you know, um, and maybe someone can help me with it. I don't know what we've made the church. I don't know. You see, so any little thing that happens in the world, they call us names. I've not heard anybody insult native doctors when things go bad in Nigeria. There's a Kijia shrine in Anambra State. I've not heard anybody. Say those Kija shrine people that are useless, all these shrines in Anambra state, all these shrines in, uh, or whatever, all these shrines in Ogun state, you know, all these things that are happening there. You see, if it's in Singapore, they're just building roads. Why are they not comparing traditional worship with development? Why is it only Christians that are blaming for development? All this ritual killing is not allowing us build railways. Go, go to Singapore, go to Japan. They don't do ritual killing. They, they are here doing ritual killing and the country is not developing. Why are they not blaming them? Because we have opened the church and it has become a market where people come for clout. Now, politicians that rig the election, that in they'll say, That means the goat and the fowl, no, will come and they give their mind. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave me victory. And everybody's looking. We know you read. Do you understand? And then the next, and the pastor will take the mic and pray that every enemy, anybody opposed to this, you fall and die. What have you done? You have converted the temple of God to a den of thieves. Now, you know what a den of thieves is? We're going to analyze that very well. But the, one of the first things that a den of thieves is, is where thieves are comfortable. Praise the Lord, somebody. Where thieves find comforting, they are hideout, they are secret place. How many people do you know in life that they should actually be classified as atheists or, you know, some form of whatever devil worshiper? But you see picture with them from time to time. And they're in front of the you. church, raising hands comfortable in church. Now, the truth is this, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying politicians shouldn't come to church. Please, if you know any politician, invite him. You can even invite me. I can go personally and speak to the person. I want them to come to the house of God, but they will not be comfortable in their sin. The danger is that sinners are now comfortable. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? And what happens is this. Once groups, once politicians, once uh, 419, Yahoo, Yahoo, and all of that. Once you make them comfortable in church, you know the next thing that happens? Automatically, the real children of God will no longer be comfortable. That's why here we make every effort to make sure that it's the children of God that are comfortable here. Are you with me? When unbelievers, when criminals, when prostitutes, when you know, uh, ritual, uh, ritualists come in here, we welcome them, but they must not be comfortable. They must be converted. That's what we are talking about. Because once they get comfortable here I'm going to explain to you from what Jesus said Once they get comfortable here The children of God can't stay here Look at what he said Next verse, 14 He says, what's the first line there? Then, then, no, just then, then Then, you know what the word then means? Until now, he couldn't As long as the temple of God Was made a den of thieves The blind and the lame could not come in as long as the temple of God was being abused, the proper use was not possible. Abuse is the wrong use or applying a product to its worth, wrong purpose. Once that is done, the proper use cannot happen. The house of God is meant to be a place where the lame and the blind, the sinners and the weak come in and find salvation and find deliverance and find the touch of God. But once you make it a place where the pastor is and say, let us recognize the presence of uh, Odo Buruburu. He's the uh, first of this. And the man stands up and they clap for him. The moment you do that, you've driven out those whose father's house it is. The moment you do that, you immediately displace the right use of the church. He said, the church is the most powerful living institution that is remaining on the earth now. But if we're not careful, that's the problem that America is having with these Trump whole issues. Trump came in and used the church. I used to be a Trump fan. But the moment I stopped supporting Trump and I said, this man, you've missed me, was when at the height of the Black Lives Matter issue, when he took a Bible, and went and stood in front of the church. and held it like this. Bible that you can't pray our Father which art in heaven. When he do that, I say this man is insulting my faith. I don't accept anybody insulting my faith. Whoever you are. That's why I'm constantly, permanently opposed to Tinubu. He will not be installed as president of Nigeria Because he has insulted my faith. And he has not shown any remorse or anything. And he not just by hiring um, thugs and thugs to wear the Christian garb, but choosing a Muslim as his vice, he has no regard for you. If you're supporting him, continue. But he has no regard for your faith. But the love I have for my faith, I will never allow it. So once Trump did that, I said, this man has no respect for Christianity. It's enough that you're Trump and you know all kinds of things are happening around you. But that you take a Bible you don't read and stand in front of a church you don't attend to do photo op. I said, you, you can't. That was before the election. I told people, this man cannot win this election anymore. What's the meaning of that? Okay, so abuse. Abuse of the house of God. Jesus said, no, this is the temple of God. Don't make it a den of thieves. Now, you now want to wonder. I don't know if you pondered that. What is the similarity between den of thieves and house of prayer? You can go back, please. You see, my father's house shall be called what? A house of prayer. But he have made it what? A den of thieves. What's the similarity? Can anybody think about that? Let me tell you what the similarity is. What do thieves do? Thieves obtain, right? They steal. So, if I'm a thief, I come to the house to steal. So, I get something. A thief is somebody who steals, takes what is not his own without the permission or the authority or the knowledge of the person he took it from, isn't it? So, a thief is out to get... Now, can I tell you that the two people come for the same thing? What do you do in prayer? You come to request from God. So the thieves come to the house of God to get things without contacting God. The other side of it now are people who are now supplicants. Who humble themselves before God and say, God, we need you to do this for us. Two of them looking for things, but one is stealing. One is approaching the owner. When Jesus drove out the ones who came to steal, the ones who came to supplicate immediately came in and had their requests granted. Child of God, this is what the Christian fellowship should be about. Where people come in, I pray that, you know, God will continue to help us. But you see, the house of God is where everyone comes in and finds acceptance. There must be no discrimination. Nobody must look down. I've told you here, the only condition you can look down on anybody who is a Christian is that you can go to heaven without Jesus. If Jesus saved you, and Jesus is the one saving whoever it is, that means they're both two of you the same ap- amount. Hello? Did I get him? I'm a professor. I'm a double professor. Professor of oncology and professor of doctology. Is that possible? Okay. I know books so much. And this my brother comes, he doesn't know Jack. Do you understand? He knows nothing. When Jesus wanted to save me, it was his blood that he shed. And without that blood, I cannot near heaven. With all my professorship. This is my brother that doesn't know Jack. When Jesus wants to save him also, how does he? The same blood. Both of us are riding on the same ticket to heaven. How dare I now look at him and look down on him? What is it that I have that makes me better than him? That's what the house of God is. A place of acceptance. You bring all the money. You made the money, I And then you donate it to church. And then we keep special seats for you in church. Then when some people come, James said, some people come. He says, sit there, sit there. Don't come near here, sit there. You push them back. Now, Paul now says to you and I. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? Do you know, in essence... The more you have in this life, you're more indebted to God. In fact, if anybody shouldn't serve God, it should be the ugly, the poor, the wretched of the society because they're not owing God so much. But if you're looking as beautiful, just look at yourself now. You're looking this. Who is making you look like you're looking? Who is giving you the intellect you have? Who is keeping you? What does that make you? You're more indebted. So if I'm owing more, That my brother, who is, unquote, less blessed. I should serve him more. I should regard him more. Let's rise on our feet. Today, we are going to make use of here as a house of prayer. We will not come to steal from him. The Bible says it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But some of us come into the house of God and want to just obtain and run away. Sometimes what we are coming to obtain are not material things. Sometimes we just come to obtain that sense of discharge. I tell my wife, it's penance. You see, you can't stand being called a heathen. Some people can't stand that. So they must go to church. But when they go to church also, they can't stand being called this fanatic, this devoted. You can't stand it. So you come and obtain a sense of approval. Nobody can call you heathen. You went to church. You answer Christian If somebody wants to describe you, they say he's a Christian. But you don't want that total surrender. Jesus said to tell somebody here that salvation is not with Christ. Let me repeat so you, I get you one. That salvation is what? Not with Christ. You know what salvation is? Second Corinthians 5.17. Put it on, on the screen for me. Salvation is not around Christ. Salvation is not in the fellowship of Christ. No! It says, therefore, read it with me, everybody. If anyone is where? Well, in Christ. Two completely different things. In. When you're in, everything is in. Hallelujah. Your marriage is in. You can be in Christ and tell your wife, listen, this is the way my fathers did it. If you don't kneel down and do this, I will divorce you. You have not entered Christ. Because when you enter Christ, your marriage will enter. Your mouth will enter. Your eyes will enter. Your pocket will enter. When they say give to the work of God, you give like someone who is in Christ. You're not supporting God's work. He owns you. You're worshiping. The first mention of giving in the Bible is let us go yonder and worship. That's what it is. But the beautiful thing is that when you're also in Christ, time will fail me that when you're now in Christ also, if the mother is carrying the baby in the womb and the baby is hungry, Does the baby go to the farm? What happens to the baby? The mother what? Supplies. Now medically understand that in those cases where there is starvation, Somalia and uh, where where those places have had some, Ethiopia. You see those pregnant mothers that are malnourished. The babies in their wombs are not malnourished. You know why? As long as that baby is in the womb of that woman, every nutrient the baby needs That woman must survive. She can be dying, you know. The baby will be taking it. That's the privilege of being in Christ. Anybody glad to be in Christ there? When we're in Christ, it says for a good man, someone may even die. But it says, for your sake, my sake. It says he laid down. There is nothing Jesus will withhold from those who are him. He said to Peter, and I must tell you this. they, They said to Peter, what about your tax? What about tax? Jesus, Peter came into the house. Jesus would not let Peter open his mouth. He said to Peter, what are they talking about? Tax, right? He said, who do? He said, anyway, Peter, this is what you're going to do. He said, go to the water, cast the hook. The first fish you get, he said, open his mouth. You're going to see a gold coin. He said, take it. When you go, who should you pay for? You become a responsibility of Jesus when you are in Christ. Everything about you, he's thinking about you. The song says he's jealous for you he's looking for your lifting he's looking for your success he's looking for your prosperity he's looking for your joy he's looking for your well-being why because you're in him he's a mother to you he's carrying you in the womb more than a mother he knows the things that you're going through he knows what you're experiencing and he will never let you go alone father we thank you can somebody appreciate the lord
0: been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimba Expressway, Expressway, near next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290- 9000 or 0703 You can find us online at www that the God bless you.